Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy to understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Rabelais, and in today's podcast topic, we'll talk about the often confusing topic of which revocable or irrevocable trusts protect your assets from nursing home Medicaid. Okay, Paul Rabelais here. I'm an estate planning attorney. This is an area where people get confused often, and Sometimes they, they're kind of convinced they're right, and then uh, I have to twist and prod and get them to a point where they kind of admit and know that they're not right. So, um, you know, some people come to the office and, you know, one, the, 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 as they're getting their, you know, estate planning legal plan in order, and they, they uh, just kind of breeze through the whole um, nursing home topic. So they're like, Paul, we got to trust. So everything's protected from the nursing home. And always, you know, not, not so fast. Let's, you know, take a look. It's not just the fact that you have a trust. It's let's look at what kind of trust it is. And then let's look into the very particular uh, trust provisions to see whether the provisions that are in there, that are in that trust would permit you to qualify for Medicaid if you went into a nursing home. So that's where we're going to jump in. And while there are many, 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 many different kinds of trusts, most people um, break them down into two types of trusts. There are revocable trusts. That's a word that starts with an R because these two words sound alike. There's revocable trusts and there's irrevocable trusts. That starts with an I. So let's take a look at both of those. Um, so when someone has a revocable trust and assets of theirs are titled in the name of their revocable trust and they go into a nursing home, um, and they apply for Medicaid, Medicaid's going to require that they see a copy of that trust so they can determine whether it's the kind of trust that would permit the individual to qualify for Medicaid. Well, it's pretty much a slam dunk on, uh, on this one here. So I'm going to read to you from the a certain provision of the Louisiana Medicaid Eligibility Manual. Many states are similar. However, if you do live in a state outside of Louisiana, you have to talk to someone who's well-versed with your state's Medicaid manual. Yes, Medicaid is a combination federal and state program. States have to comply with the federal rules state gets to administer the program, but still there can be differences from state to state that uh, you need to look into. But the the relevant provision, and, and there's many, 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 many provisions, but the relevant provision regarding the treatment of revocable trusts for Medicaid eligibility when someone goes into a nursing home is a provision that says the entire corpus of a revocable trust is counted as an available resource to the individual. Okay, so let me break that sentence down. It's pretty pretty um, simple to begin with. 
The entire corpus of a revocable trust is counted as an available resource to the individual. Okay, the entire corpus. Someone might say, what is corpus? Well, corpus, um, I'd say a more common term for it in trust terms is trust principle. It's really the assets that are in the trust. So um, the entire corpus, the entire principle, the entire assets of a revocable trust is counted as an available resource to the individual. An available resource means it's something that you got to spend before you qualify for Medicaid. And when it says uh, it's treated as an available resource to the individual, when it refers to individual, and there, there are other definition provisions in our Medicaid manual, but it's referring to the individual who is applying for Medicaid or, or their spouse. So slam dunk there, um, entire corpus of a, revo of a revocable trust is counted as an available resource to the individual. It goes on to um, give an example about Mr. Baker who established a revocable trust with a corpus of $100,000. Um, and, and basically it says at the end of the example, because the trust is revocable, that's revocable with an R, the entire value of the corpus is considered a resource. Okay, so that being said, sometimes pe when people understand that, they say, well, why would anybody have a revocable trust? Well, revocable trusts have never been used to um, hold assets to in an attempt to protect them from having to be spent at the nursing home. Now, where revocable trusts are used extensively is where it allows people to stay in complete control of everything they have, but avoid the probate or what in Louisiana is often called succession, that uh, avoid that court process when someone dies. And quite frankly, when the revocable trusts work, they work very, very well. It's a beautiful thing when survivors going through their difficult time can quickly and easily gain ownership of trust at loved one without all of that court and attorney involvement and expense and delay. So that's the purpose of the revocable trust. Never been used to try to protect assets for the nursing home, but used extensively to title things in a way where nothing's frozen when the individual dies. Um, the person who set up the trust likely named a family member as the successor trustee or trustees. And um, because things in a trust don't have to go through a court process when someone dies, that trustee, typically a family member, is able to immediately disperse the assets out of the trust to the beneficiaries, or as some people say, the heirs, without having to go through you know, an attorney and, and court process. So <clears throat> that's the concept behind the revocable trust. All right, part two. What's the treatment of irrevocable trusts? Now, not every irrevocable trust gives you nursing home protection. So revocable trust, if it's a revocable, it's a countable asset in the story. We don't have to dig too much more. But if it's an irrevocable trust, now we got to dig into the very detailed terms of that irrevocable trust. And again, lots and lots of provisions in the, in the Medicaid manual. If whatever state you live in, find someone who's capable. Um, the provisions that I'm 
sharing with you from our Medicaid manual are not all of the provisions. Every set of circumstances is unique. You got to get good help. Don't try to do this on your own. But one of the most relevant provisions regarding irrevocable trusts in our Louisiana Medicaid manual says that the portion of the corpus that could be paid to or for the benefit of the individual is treated as a resource available to the individual. All right, so let's break that one down. The portion of the corpus that could be paid to or for the benefit of the individual is treated as a resource available to the individual. So someone could put their assets in an irrevocable trust for some reason. Um, and if there is a trust provision that allows uh, corpus to be paid from that trust back to the individual, then those assets in that trust are a resource available to the individual, which must be spent um, prior to long-term care Medicaid eligibility. So there's an example that our Medicaid manual provides, and I'm really kind of piecing together a couple of examples here, but it talks about Mr. Baker establishes an irrevocable trust with a corpus of $100,000 on March 1st, 2006. Goes on to state that on June 15th of 2006, the trustee of the trust um, gave $50,000 from the corpus to Mr. Baker's brother. Okay, keep that in mind. Then, a couple of uh, three years later, um, Mr. Baker enters a nursing facility on November 15th, 2009. And just a few months later, Mr. Baker applies for Medicaid on February 15th of 2010. The example that I'm referring to goes on to state that the trustee is prohibited by the trust from dispersing any of the corpus of the trust to or for Mr. Baker. So let's let's uh, go back and look at that again. March 1st, 2006, Mr. Baker established an irrevocable trust, put $100,000 in it. A few months later, June 15, 2006, the trustee gave away $50,000 of the corpus to Mr. Baker's brother. Three years later, Mr. Baker enters a nursing home. Four months after that, on February 15, 2010, um, Mr. Baker applies for Medicaid. So what does the trust code say about that? Well, it says that because none of the corpus can be dispersed to Mr. Baker, the entire value of the corpus at the time the trust was created, $100,000, is treated as a transfer of resources for less than fair market value. Okay, so it says that when Mr. Baker set up that irrevocable trust, which prohibited the trustee from dispersing any of the corpus of the trust to or for Mr. Baker, at the time that trust was set up and the $100,000 was put into it, that was for less than fair market value. So, so when it was a transfer of resources for less than fair market value, it's, it's not an available resource. So it, when he set that up, that started that five-year period, which we're not talking about too much on this podcast, but is talked about on some of my other podcasts, started that five-year period from, uh, from when the trust was created and funded with $100,000. 
On another note, because I talked about how just a few months after Mr. Baker set, set the trust up, set it up March 2006, a few months later, June 15, 2006, the trustee uh, distributed $50,000 of corpus to Mr. Baker's brother. Well, the example uh, goes on to state that the $50,000 given to Mr. Baker's brother does not alter the amount of the transfer upon which the penalty is based. So that really distribution that the trustee made, not to Mr. Baker, but to Mr. Baker's brother, I guess uh, there, were there were provisions in the trust that permitted a distribution to be made to Mr. Baker's brother, and then the trustee made it. That didn't impact what Mr. Baker did by originally setting up the trust with $100,000. It started the penalty period when he set it up. The, the distribution to the brother didn't alter that. So uh, what's the practical effect of all of this? Um, and it, boy, if you, can, if you can get somewhat of a grasp on this, you'll be ahead of, of virtually all of your friends and colleagues and people in the barbershop or the beauty shop or wherever this kind of thing gets discussed. But the practical effect, practical effect of all this is assets in a revocable with an R, revocable trust, are assets that have to be spent on your care before you qualify for Medicaid. Revocable trusts have never been um, intended to protect uh, assets from Medicaid. They're used for probate avoidance extensively and they work very well when everything is set up right and everything is titled correctly. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I always really enjoy when uh, typically children of parents who had set up a trust tell me how simple it was to settle their parents' estate or settle their parents' trust because their parents had a trust that was set up the right way. But so the second type of trust, um, maybe the, the easy summary explanation is not every irrevocable trust that people set up uh, will protect them from nursing home costs. You have to look at the provisions. And really, um, I think the effect of it is um, you don't kind of get this protection by accident. You have to really... Um, intend to set up an irrevocable trust with the goal of protecting it from Medicaid so that those, so that those particular provisions can be put in the trust. And so, but probably the number one, there's many factors, but probably one of the most important uh, factors of that irrevocable trust is that uh, for someone who sets it up, um, the people setting it up must make sure that no portion of the corpus of that trust could be paid to or for the benefit of the individual. And so the practical effect is, I'm kind of surprised the example talked about how, um, Mr. How, how Mr. Baker set up a trust and then uh, months later, or it could have been years later, a, the trustee made a distribution from the trust to Mr. Baker's brother. Typically, when these things are set up in an attempt to protect assets for the family, typically you see that um, trust distributions may be made to, and I'll call Mr. Baker, he was the set lore, he was the one who set up the trust. Um, 
we often see that distributions are permitted to the settlor's child or children. And so um, the reason that we often see that in these irrevocable trusts is that's really kind of a simple way to uh, for the settlor or the parents to get the money back if they want it. They can make a distribution or the trustee can make a distribution to a child and then the child, uh, once they receive it, they can do whatever they want to with it, of course. They can give it back to the parent if they want to, putting assets back in the parent's name. So uh, presumably the parents have some uh, plan to spend that money because while it's in the trust, it's protected. So um, again, probably for the third or fourth time on this video or podcast, actually, um, I'm, I'm warning you to not try this at home. Uh, we have a Medicaid manual, thousands and thousands of pages. I guess it's thousands of pages. It seems like it. Um, many, many provisions, uh, confusing. And this is an area where um, you, know, you want to make sure you get it right the first time. So hope that helps. A uh, lot of confusion out there on trusts and long-term care Medicaid eligibility. Um, feel free to watch or listen to other podcasts. Go out and watch videos on my YouTube channel, Rabelais Estate Planning, LLC, and uh, further educate yourself and then get good help. So uh, I'm here in Louisiana. We only help people here in Louisiana. If you live in Louisiana, you can contact our office. Um, but if you live out of state, you really need to find someone in your state, not, not just a lawyer, but a lawyer who's well-versed in these long-term care uh, Medicaid provisions. So that knocks out probably 99.7% of the attorneys who deal with lawsuits every day. You need to work with one who understands the uh, intricacies of Medicaid eligibility. All right. So hope that helps. Go out and get, get things in order and uh, we'll see you next time.